I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 66, in which we go on retreat. And I'm recording this episode on Saturday, November 5th, 2011, whenever you happen to be listening to it. And uh, welcome. I'm really glad to have you here. Thank you so much for all of you who have been leaving comments on iTunes. Got a couple of new ones. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, Also been picking up some new listeners, and that is very, very fun as well. And you started talking to me again a little bit this week. So although I've been catching up on other podcasters myself, and I'm hearing that a lot of us aren't getting a lot of comments, I suspect everybody's just getting really busy right now. And I certainly understand that. Um, In fact, I wasn't really positive I was going to be able to record today, but my husband just skipped out of the house for a little bit to go get his hair cut, and I decided I should grab the chance I had um, at having a very quiet space to try to see if I could knock this out. So, um, welcome, glad you're with us, and here we go. I'm going to start with a little bit of a Sandy update, and then I'm going to talk about my quilt retreat, and within that quilt retreat, I'm going to be giving some tips and some hints and some product reviews, so all sorts of good stuff going on today. I hope. Uh, Let's see, my Sandy update. I did actually pick up yet another new book, but I'm not going to talk about that on this episode because I still have to finish the book reviews that I started on the last episode, and I will be getting to that. Um, Also still working on scheduling something with Jay. We are really, it's not going to go away. We are going to get back to the design study series. Uh, Like I said last time, we're just having a dickens of a time getting our schedules together, but we will make it happen. Quilty-wise, I haven't actually made a ton of progress. I've I've been having this issue where suddenly I have a lot of projects going at once, which means I'm not making a lot of progress on any of them individually. And that's really starting to irk me. So <laughs> I think I'm going to have to um change up. I've been sort of, you know, free floating, just kind of doing whatever felt good on any particular night. And now I think I've just got to buckle down and knock one out and then work on the next one, etc. And in the middle of all this, I decided just for kicks and giggles, I wanted to do a little hand piecing, but I didn't want it to be anything stressful or even anything that I had any intention of really doing anything with. Basically, now that my husband and I are home alone, it's harder for me to not be downstairs watching TV with him in the evening than it used to be. Because it used to be, even if I wasn't there, he had one of the kids around to keep him company. Now, it's just kind of him and the dogs. And the dogs aren't particularly fun company watching TV. They just snore during it. So I'm trying to develop some handwork type projects to do. And um, I just haven't had time to really prep any of the felted wool projects that I've got kind of in abeyance and doing some other stuff. I decided, you know, I'm just to heck with it. I've got a boatload of charm packs. I'm going to yank one off my shelf and I'm just going to start hand piecing the thing together. No cutting, no pattern, just straight up squares. And um, it was going swimmingly. I'm actually enjoying the hand piecing. It's kind of fun to do a little bit of hand sewing now and again. The problem is the charm pack. It is driving me batty. It is not a Moda charm pack. Let me put that right out there. I've never had a problem with any of the Moda charm packs being miscut. This is a different brand. 
Um, it was actually a brand. It's not just one put together by a uh, quilt shop. And uh, it, it's a mess. The squares are cut all wonky. It's really like there's no two of them that are actually the same size. If you hold them up next to each other, I always feel pretty lucky if I've got two that are <laughs> exactly the same size. They're always a little bit off. And then some of them, I think I counted five or six of them, are completely off. They're like cut a half inch too small. They've got raggedy. It's like they went through whatever conveyor belt they're using. I don't know what it is, but it's all chomped up. It's a mess. It's a complete mess. Now, the problem is I've had this charm pack for a very long time, and so I don't even particularly remember where it came from. I know I got it and a match. There were two identical ones as part of a a mailing. It was like they were sort of freebie gifts, I think, thrown in, or maybe I got them dirt cheap or something thrown in for something else I had ordered from some other store. I don't remember what the store was now. Unfortunately, I, I might have an apology to make because, like I said, I got two identical ones. I used the other one in a giveaway. Now, I had checked it quickly because this one that I have now the very first piece on top I could tell was cut wrong right off the bat. So I had set it aside as being one that I wasn't going to use as a giveaway. The other one, I'd kind of flipped through the pieces and they all looked fine, so I used it as a giveaway. I apologize. (laughs) Now I'm worried that somebody, one of my wonderful listeners who did something wonderful to get themselves a charm pack giveaway, I'm wondering now if I sent him one with all sorts of wonky cut and raggedy corners and something I didn't notice in there. And I apologize if somebody got something as a giveaway from me and it was completely whacked. Forgive me, let me know. And I would be more than happy to send you a replacement because this, oh, it's working my very last nerve. I can't believe anybody would actually package this thing. Where's your quality control? Somebody had to have been looking at these. Now for me, since I wasn't actually setting out to use this in a project, it's not a huge deal. I'm just taking the ones out that are too small and throwing them in my scrap bin and working with the rest. And, you know, I knew I'm only using one charm pack and I don't think it's even a full, most charm packs have like 40 or 42 pieces. I don't even think this one started out with that many. So I didn't think I was actually going to end up with any sort of full-size quilt. I was hoping, you know, maybe something between a doll quilt and a baby quilt, maybe something that could be used for a very small little baby. (laughs) I don't know. Now I'm thinking I'll be lucky if I get a placemat out of it. In any case, for my purposes, you know, I'm just playing around with hand piecing. I have no intent on this thing. So I'm only irked insofar as I can't believe anybody would ever let this thing out the door and how it now reflects on their company. But uh, that being said, probably not a big deal. And if one of you out there has (laughs) the other charm pack, and again, it's not a moda, let me know and I will be happy to um, change that out and send you a different one. I feel bad. Uh, in the other, the rest of my quilty life, I have actually cut a few more hexagons. Woohoo! I am. Oh, we are cooking with gas now. <laughs> I think I got another, oh, 12 cut out of the, I think I'm up to maybe 40 out of the 180 I've got to do. So yeah, I've still got a little bit of work I need to get done on that puppy. I did, I posted a blog entry about my yo-yos. And as you know, I talked in the last episode about using the yo-yo maker, etc. I did get all of my yo-yos made and then I posted a picture on the blog about it and got a couple of comments that I wanted to respond to, particularly Amy, a redeemed sheep, which is a great blog, said, 
A friend of mine found a bag full of yo-yos at a thrift shop and gave them to me. I have no idea what to do with them. What are you going to do with yours? Now, I'll tell you, Amy, there are a ton of things that you can do with yo-yos. If you just um, go online and Google yo-yo quilts and stuff, you'll see a bunch. There are quilts that are actually made strictly out of yo-yos. There's table toppers you can make out of yo-yos. I've seen some very cute uh, Christmas tree-shaped table toppers out of yo-yos. Um, I've seen dolls made out of yo-yos where you sort of string them one on top of each other. Those are kind of cute. I'm, you know, like I said in my last episode, I'm not actually a huge yo-yo fan, but, um, I have seen some cute things made with yo-yos. I am simply using mine as an embellishment. What I'm doing, uh, you've heard me talking about my pinwheel quilt. What I'm doing is I'm going to put a yo-yo with a button on top right in the center of each of those pinwheels. And it's just, you know, it's, just going to be a little bit more cute. And because this is just a wall hanging, I don't have to worry about having, you know, buttons would not be comfortable if you were sleeping under the thing, (laughs) but this is just going to be a wall hanging. So I thought that would be kind of cute and it might make the pinwheels look a little bit more, maybe like flowers or something like that. So that's all I'm doing with mine. Um, But again, there are a ton of things you can do with yo-yos and listeners, if any of you have made anything fun with yo-yos and want to leave a comment on the show, that would be great. And I will share them with the rest of the listeners. Then also on that same blog entry in which I talked about the yo-yos, Karen left a comment that said, Hi there, how many yo-yos have you made? I'm a quilter and a blogger and have completed 1,008 yo-yos for a yo-yo along. Another blogger is going to show those who participated in this quilt along how to machine sew them together for a wall hanging. You can read, it about, you can read about it on my blog. And Karen is from nanakarennevertoomanyquilts.blogspot.com, and I will put that link in the show notes of this episode. I'll also put a link to Amy's, um, Amy Redeemed Sheep's blog. And Karen, a thousand and eight. That is seriously impressive. I only made 16. (laughs) I only had 16 pinwheels. I made my 16 yo-yos, and I'm done and moving along. So thank you very much, Amy and Karen, for your comments. Appreciated it. Um, The only other, actually, addition to my quilting life recently has been that I finally replaced my printer. I've gone through, well, I shouldn't say this. I keep saying I've gone through two printers in five years. That's actually not true. I had one printer that lasted me probably six or seven years, and I'm talking like a four-in-one printer, so it's a fax copy printer scanner. That one lasted me six or seven years, and it started getting really, really, really quirky. It didn't always want to print. You know, it would just kind of decide to print in its own good time. It would jam a lot. The scanner started acting funky. And so last year, I think it was just last year, I had gotten a new printer. That one lasted me, I think, nine months. And it got a jam to end all jams. And although I could get the jam out, I could never get it to work again. I called all over the place. I checked online. Nobody wants to fix printers. And I'm not one that normally buys the extended warranties or the, um, you know, protection plans and stuff, because generally speaking, those are just a money-making racket for the store. Uh, So I hadn't gotten one of those. And so I took my old printer, which was still sitting around the house, hooked it back up and just lived with the quirkiness for the last six months or so. Well, finally this weekend, I went out, bought myself a new printer, um, new brand name for me in terms of printers. And so far, I've only had it for less than 24 hours. So far, I am loving it. 
and uh, I have been able to start scanning fabric again. And so immediately I started sitting down this morning and I was scanning my fabric and getting them into EQ and playing around with them. Now, I do know, I had mentioned before that I had problems with scanning and a few people had made other suggestions. You know, why don't you take pictures of the fabric? Why don't you just find the fabric online and try to um, download the pictures? Here's the problem. First of all, most of my fabric far too old. It's not online anymore. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm having to somehow work with the fabric I've actually got. I did try taking pictures of it and I've got a really good camera and I know about lighting. Do you think I could get those colors to tr be true? And then I would get them into my photo editing software and I'd monkey around with them. It was taking me far too long. I mean, I think I managed to get like two fabrics scanned in several hours of work one night. And I was like, no, that, you know, I'm just not going to do that. So now, you know, this morning with my new scanner, I was able to scan, I probably did 10 fabrics, maybe more than that, maybe 12, um, in about, well, probably about 45 minutes, because then I was monkeying around with them in EQ a little bit too. So anyway, that was kind of fun. And now I'm actually able to move forward in designing some um, projects specifically to use up some of the fabric I've been buying, which is fun. But let me tell you, scanning McKenna Ryan fabric to work in EQ does not work. <laughs> Any fabric that doesn't fit neatly into a little three inch square, it's it's very hard to scan. So what I'm going to do is just work with it in terms of basic ideas of, okay, this is, I think where this is going to end up and this is where this one's going to end up, but then I'm just going to have to work with them, you know, up close, personal and real. So those are my Sandy updates. Um, you know, obviously not a lot of real sewing going on, although it is only Saturday afternoon, early afternoon, and I have high hopes for the rest of my weekend. All right, let's talk about my quilt retreat. If you have never been on a quilt retreat before and you have the possibility of doing so, I really do highly recommend it. They are a boatload of fun, at least with my guild, they are, and um, they are a fantastic way to get a lot done, and especially I have found they're a good place to take care of sort of tedious stuff. <laughs> you know, the kind of stuff that you just put off doing because it's going to be boring and annoying. If you do it in the space of a retreat, you've got stuff going on. You've got people happening. You know, <laughs> it's it takes away that tedium. It's a lot more fun. Um, so I do highly recommend them. I do also suggest if you've never been on a quilt retreat before, make sure you kind of check out what are the general rules. Some guilds will tell you right up front. Other guilds, they've just been kind of doing it for so long, they don't think about the fact that not everybody would know anymore. So you may want to talk to somebody who's been to a few of them. What kind of stuff are, are you generally able to bring with you? What are the rules about the number of irons you can plug in? What are the rules, you know, what do you, what are the guidelines in terms of, um, you know, various things that might happen? So for example, for our quilt retreat, the first year I went, there were about 40 of us there and they could only, they had to be very strict about who got to plug in irons. So we had group irons, you know, placed strategically throughout the room. I think we had about five of them. And those were the only irons you could really have plugged in because you would blow a fuse. Most places where you have these quilt retreats, their wearing is not up to handling a lot of irons. And irons take a lot more power than your sewing machine or your computer does. Who knows why, but it does. Irons are power hogs. So we had very strict rules about the number of irons you could have. Even having those little travel irons was difficult. However, now we've got fewer people going on retreat, and I've noticed we've really laxed up those rules about who's got the irons. So we have a lot more irons available. And I'll be talking a little bit about irons in the future, but that's something you want to check out. 
is do you bring your own irons? Do you not bring your own irons? Do you need to bring cutting mats or does, you know, are there group cutting mats? What's the setup? That kind of thing. Um, but again, if you have an opportunity to do it, I really high, highly recommend it. So let me tell you about my retreat. Our retreats for our guild start Friday morning at 10 a.m. And they go Sunday until, you know, kind of whenever you want to leave. I think they finally kick the last people out around five o'clock. It depends on what the retreat center has going on the next day. We've been going there for so long. They're pretty loosey-goosey with us. You know, they know us. They know we'll clean up after ourselves, that kind of thing. But you can get there whenever you want. Some people just come in for the day on Saturday. Some people come after work on Friday. You know, you kind of come when you want to. I am in the habit now, if at all possible, I take that Friday as a vacation day so I can go first thing in the morning. This year, I got down there first thing in the morning, but then I had to leave again <laughs> around 1230. So I only was, I was able to get myself set up and then I did maybe an hour and a half worth of actual, you know, quilt making projects. And then I had to leave around 1230 because that was my son's 21st birthday and he wanted a home cooked dinner. And we were having my mother and father-in-law and my nephew and then my niece from my other sister's family um, were all coming over for dinner. So I was cooking for, I don't remember how many is that for, it's about 10 people, nine people, something like that. So, um, I, and he wanted roast beef, mashed potatoes, you know, the whole nine yard. Now, the fun thing I did to start out was, um, I actually made a pumpkin smoked Gouda soup as an appetizer. It was very fun. Um, I knew my husband and son actually wouldn't like it. So this was not my birthday gift to my son because I knew that was not his shtick, but he did take what we call a no thank you helping. Um, and I served them in these very nice little appetizer type, type um, bowls. It was very pretty, I thought, and stirred a little bit of, um, I swirled a little bit of heavy cream right on the top. So you get that kind of white swirl. It was very fancy. And it, the soup I thought was amazing. And so did most of the rest of the people at the table. Wonderful, wonderful recipe, and I believe it's a recipe from Taste of Home. So if you go to tasteofhome.com and look up pumpkin smoked Gouda soup, I'm pretty sure that's where I got it. So anyway, that was Friday night, and then it took me so long to get everybody else left. My mother and father-in-law went home, and then my husband and my nephew and niece all took my son out. My daughter was still at school. We Skyped her in. <laughs> We set up my laptop at one end of the table and put her on Skype webcam so that she was a part of our celebration. But we turned her off and everybody else left. And um, I had said, you know, I, I was just too tired. I didn't want to go out with my son that night. And I didn't really think my husband didn't even think he was going to be with him that long. The parents were not really part of that deal. But I just stayed home and cleaned the kitchen. So by the time I got everything cleaned up and in bed, it was probably midnight my time. So I wasn't going back down that night. I went down the next morning and I gave myself sort of a slow morning and I stopped at Joanne's on the way down and I bought a travel iron and I'll be talking, I will give you a review of that later. Um, so I got back down there, it was probably close to noon by the time I got there on Saturday, but then I was there for the duration. I stayed until Sunday around, I guess I left at about 1230 because by then I was tired. I mean, Friday night really wiped me out for the weekend. I was so tired all weekend, so I was not as productive as I could have been, but I still had a great time. Okay, here we go with some product reviews. These are things that either this was the first time at this retreat that I'd been able to use them, or uh, they're things I don't think I've actually told you about before. So the first thing is my So Easy table. I had mentioned several episodes ago now, it would have been back last May, that my um, family gave me the So Easy portable sewing table for Mother's Day, 
And um, unfortunately, it didn't get to me in time for my May retreat. <laughs> so this was the first retreat I was able to use it on. Unfortunately, I got it there, got it all set up and realized that somehow I did not have the plexiglass insert. And I could swear I had ordered the plexiglass insert and I could swear that I had set it into that table to test it out and that I had put it in the thing. It was nowhere. And when I got back home on Friday, the first thing I did as soon as I got home was looked for it again. I could not find that thing anywhere. So anyway, at the the end of the weekend, I did order myself a new insert. And actually, when I got it, it didn't look as familiar to me as I thought it would. So maybe it's possible I never had actually ordered it in the first place. I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, But anyway, the Sew Easy table is a portable sewing table specifically made for... (laughs) Well, I think of it as being specifically made for taking to retreats and classes and that kind of thing. I suppose it's possible people do use these as their main sewing tables at home. It would be pretty easy to do that. It's not very big. It's pretty lightweight so that you can easily, and it has wheels right on it so you can roll it around very easily. Um, But it's remarkably sturdy. It really did not shake really pretty much at all while I was sewing. Now, I wasn't going high speed on the projects I was working on. I suppose if I'd really let a rip, it might shake a little bit, but I was very, very impressed by how stable this thing was. And like I said, it is extremely portable. It has a case that comes on it that's easy to, you slide it over the top, you kind of zip it around the bottom so it protects it. It's got handles built in and the case has handle holes in it so you can pull it back and forth and it's got the wheels. It sets up in a flash. Um, I I am thrilled with this thing. Now, even not having the plexiglass with me, that meant my sewing machine, I still use the table. I set it down on the little shelf. I could have taken the whole shelf apart and raised the platform back up so that my sewing machine was just sitting on top of the the table itself, but I decided not to bother. I just let my machine sit down in the recess without the plexiglass because I was just piecing small pieces, so it wasn't a big issue that there were kind of these gaps in there. Um, I also really appreciated not only the table itself, I appreciated the fact that having my sewing machine on that table meant I had more space on the regular retreat tables, you know, those big folding um, banquet tables that all retreat centers have. So I was able to kind of set myself up in an L shape and one side was my sewing machine. And then as I turned, there was my cutting mat and my um, little ironing pressing mat and everything right there. So I had all sorts of space. It was really comfortable and I really enjoyed doing that. So if you are debating about that so easy table, let me tell you right now, it is well worth it. Um, I'm probably the third or fourth person in my guild to now have one. And we were all raving about them at retreat. So I'm sure there's probably going to be a few more people (laughs) with them by the time we get around to our next retreat next May. Very, very, um, very good tool. I'm very pleased with that. The other product that I was using at this retreat, and this is my second retreat using this, is the Cheryl Ann's Portable Design Wall, the big honking big one. (laughs) That's not actually what it's called. I don't know what the measurements are, but when you look at the website, just go for the really big honking big one, and that's the one I've got. Now, this portable design wall I actually inherited from my mother. It had been in her basement. I don't know that she must have had it out of the case at some point, but I don't know how often she had used it. I had never opened it up when I took it from her sewing machine or from her studio. I just, it was one of the things I threw in my car, was in my basement. I'd even kind of forgotten I had it until somebody got talking about um, having a design wallet retreat. And I'm like, oh, wait, I've got one in my basement. Why don't I bring it? So I brought it last May. 
pulled it out, went to set it up, no instructions in the thing. <laughs> so um, another member of our guild, Lori, who has a wonderful food blog, um, Lori helped me, you know, we put our heads together and we started figuring out how to put this thing together. And we managed to sort of jerry-rig something together so at least we could lean it up against a wall. <laughs> and so we used it in May. I took it all apart, put it all back, stuck it in my, you know, in a corner of my sewing room, hauled it back out there this October, but this time I remembered to print off the instructions. So we get to retreat on Friday. Lori comes over. We pull out the instructions. We're like, all right, we know what we're doing now. We've got the instructions. We go to put it together. Now we realize we're missing parts. So I we put it all together, figured out something, leaned it up against a wall again. Um, when I got home from retreat on Sunday, the first thing I did was go online. I ordered my plexiglass table for the so easy thing, and I ordered the missing parts for um, Cheryl Ann's design wall, which was very easy to do. Not a problem at all. And so now <laughs> in October, or I'm sorry, in May at my next retreat, I think now finally I'll be able to use that portable design wall as it was intended to be used. Um, it's very, very handy. I will say that I did go online to look at whether I wanted to get a smaller size too. I'm just not sure that's the way I want to spend my money at the moment, but they're very, um, very useful. If you are thinking about getting a portable design wall, I would highly recommend this. I know you can make yourself homemade ones, um, but this one really, it's extremely lightweight. It packs up very well into a nice little bag. It comes together. It's basically this big piece of flannel with with sleeves on each part and a little gap in the corner. And then you have what are basically kind of like a pup tent poles, you know, the kind that they're plastic and they're held together with sort of elasticy stuff. So they come folded up and you just open them up and pop them together and they come out, you know, full size. You slide those in the sleeves, then you put some brackets on and you put the stabilizer bars on and there it is. It stands up. And um, it's really nice. I mean, you don't really have to pin anything to it because obviously it's flannel, so it just holds your blocks and everything. We had it set up along one wall, and I think there were three of us that were using it at one point to, because the, the thing at Retreat, at least in ours, is whenever you finish something, you got to slap it on the wall. So usually we use blue painter's tape to tape our blocks to the wall or your finished table runners or your projects or whatever you've got going on. You're taping it to the wall as you go. And then we were doing the same on the design wall. So that was also really, really useful. Okay, next, let's talk about that travel iron. What I got was the Rowenta Compact Iron. The um, actual SKU number is DA1560. That's the Rowenta Compact Iron. I freaking love this thing. <laughs> it was fantastic. Like I said, I had my cutting mat set up, and then next to it I have one of those um, pressing mats. I think it's a June Taylor, the kind of portable ironing mat there. And um, I had that set up with the travel iron next to me, so I would just sew a couple of pieces. To, I'd cut pieces, I'd sew them together, and then I'd quickly hit them with the travel iron. But this way I didn't have to, you know, wait in line to be able to use the iron or be, you know, I didn't have to kind of jump up and down for every little seam. I was able to just hit them quick with that travel iron. And I loved it, absolutely loved it. And the other thing I did, by the way, is I had, um, I had won this as a door prize or something. I had a little trial size bottle of Mary Ellen's Best Press with me. I use Mary Ellen's Best Press at home all the time. This little travel size um, thing just lives in the, <laughs> I actually use a tackle box, a fisherman's tackle box for all my supplies for quilt retreats. And it just lives in that tackle, tackle box. So I only use it when I'm at retreat. And so on these seams, I would hit it with a little Best Press, slap it down with the travel iron for a few seconds, and I was good to go. And it was beautiful. I loved having that travel iron. It did take a while to cool down when I was done for the weekend, and it, 
bugs the dickens out of me that there aren't off switches on most irons, that the only way to turn them off is to actually physically unplug them. That bothers me. This uh, The travel iron, I would I unplugged it as I was starting to pack up to go. And by the time I got to actually putting that travel iron in its little case, it has a little thermal insulated case, it was still kind of warm. It wasn't too warm. And I would say that was a good 10 minutes. I mean, it took a while for it to cool down. That was the only downside, I would say, to this. But other than that, I loved it. Very smooth sole plate. Um, very comfortable to hold. It can do steam. I wasn't using steam. I was just using it dry. I really liked having this travel iron, and I'm thrilled that I got it. And it is definitely coming with me on every retreat, if they will always let me plug it in. Okay, another product review. I think I referred to this maybe in a previous episode. The main project I was working on at my retreat, which I'll talk about in a little bit, was the Jelly Roll Sampler book project. That's one of the Pam and Nikki Lintot girls' books. And that one, um, they strongly suggest, you don't have to use it, but they do suggest getting the 4590 Creative Grids rulers. And that's 45 slash 90. And that refers to the angles um, of triangles you can do on it, 45 degree and 90 degree creative grids ruler. And so I um, decided to go ahead and buy it. And I did also notice it, by the way, when I got their More Charm Layer Cake and Jelly Roll Quilts book, they also suggest using the 4590 in that book as well. Um, I found that ruler extremely useful. It really, really was. It's um, for making half square triangles. So you take two jelly roll strips and you press them right sides together and you press them down because that... if you're a newer quilter and you don't know that, when you press two fabrics together, it sort of marries them, as my mother used to say. It marries the fabrics together, so it keeps them um, steadier when you're trying to then cut two strips. And so you sew them right sides together. I'm sorry, you don't sew them. You press them right sides together, and then you use the ruler to cut the triangles, the half-square triangles, but you flip it back and forth. So you put it down, you cut a couple of slashes, you flip it upside down, and then you cut the next slash. So you're, you know, you're kind of going back and forth along your strip that way. And then once you've got all those pieces cut, then you sew that seam together, and you've got a bunch of half square triangles. Um, I'm really probably not describing it well. You're probably thinking, what? How does that work? But it really does work. Trust me. So I would, again, this has been a very useful ruler. I'm using it a lot in this book, obviously. And then, um, like I said, they also recommended it for their next book as well. And it's a fast way to make half square triangles. I could see myself just sort of going after a lot of my jelly roll strips in my stash (laughs) and just turning them into half square triangles and then doing something fun with them. I don't know what, but that was a really good ruler as well. And again, my favorite creative grid. So it has those nice little kind of frictiony circles on the back to keep it from slipping really liked having that ruler. And then, okay, my final product review of this episode is actually something I did not buy until after I got home. A lot of people at Retreat had um, little portable side tables set up as well. And we have folks that do really complex projects while they're on Retreat. And so they've got, you know, their full table that they're set up at, then they've got a sewing table, then they've got a side table, and it's all covered. Every inch of it is covered. And so I was kind of watching some of these side tables. And so I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. I might not mind having one of those. And it's um, available at Target. It's the Costco, not Costco, as in the store. C-O-S-T-C-O is the store. This is C-O-S-C-O brand. And it's called the Adjustable Height Activity Table. And it's basically kind of a longer version of a TV table, 
that's what we call them here in the States. I don't know if other people call them that or not, but you know, the foldable tables that were kind of big in the eighties when you would all sit in front of your TV and eat frozen TV dinners. (laughs) This is kind of a longer version of that. And it is adjustable height. It's something like, unfortunately, I checked it right before I started to, to do this podcast and it doesn't have written on the table what the adjustable height range is, nor could I find that on the website. I have a vague recollection. It was something like from about maybe 26 or 28 inches to 30, maybe 32 inches. It's very lightweight. It's not something that I would put a sewing machine on it. I could see myself maybe doing some cutting on it, like at a retreat where you're only doing a little bit of cutting at a time. I wouldn't want to do my primary cutting at the table. Um, But it's really good for having extra space. It's really good for maybe laying things out or putting your pressing mat on it, that kind of thing. As as soon as I brought it home, I actually set it up in my living room and sat and I was doing my yo-yos one night and it helped me to have that table in front of me where I could just sort of set stuff out. So, and I only spent $15 on it. So that was a very good investment. And now it's tucked away in a corner in my sewing room because it folds up nice and flat and it's ready for me to take on my next retreat. Um, so those are my product reviews. Again, to to recap, the So Easy Table, huge thumbs up, as many thumbs as I could find in my body. Uh, Cheryl Ann's Portable Design Wall, now that I have all the parts, also <laughs> big thumbs up. My Travel Iron from Joann's, really enjoyed that as well. The 4590 Creative Grids Ruler, excellent tool. And the handy portable little side table, very convenient. The projects I did on retreat um, didn't get nearly as much done as I had hoped. As you know, my intention had been to get all the blocks done for the Jelly Roll Sampler that I'm working on out of the Jelly Roll Sampler Quilts book. I got two. Two done. Two blocks. Count them. One, (laughs) two darn blocks done that whole weekend. And that was partly because I wasn't actually there the whole weekend. And partly because I was so freaking tired. It was so hard for me to keep straight in my head from one moment to the next what I was working on. The blocks themselves are not hard, but there are a fair amount of pieces to them. And also because I'm using a jelly roll that there's not a lot of high contrast and stuff, sometimes I'm having to really keep straight which fabrics did I intend to use where it's not always really obvious which is supposed to be the dark and which is supposed to be the medium, for example. So I I just had, I was taking it very slowly one step at a time where I might normally kind of chain piece a lot more. I was chain piecing, but I was being very careful about how many pieces and which ones I was chain piecing so I wouldn't get them screwed up, mixed up later. So that was not, shall we say, the most stellar (laughs) project. Um, I do like, well, I shouldn't say I like the way the blocks are coming out. If I had fully controlled my fabric choices, I'd probably like it a lot better. I think I will love the finished product. I think it's going to come out being very sort of shabby chic, cottagey style. But as I'm working on each individual block, I'm thinking, boy, I wish that had more contrast. Boy, I wish I could have slightly different combinations going on. But the nature of the, the quilt is that you use a jelly roll. And I know I don't have to stick to the rules. I understand that. In this case, I decided to. I really wanted to kind of force myself 
to put blocks together that I might not normally do myself to kind of get myself thinking about different kind of color schemes and different feels for quilts and that kind of thing. Like I said, I think I really will end up liking the final result. I think once I put all the blocks together with some sashing and a different, you know, a border fabric and that kind of thing, I think it'll really turn out pretty. But yeah, it was just really pokey. So two blocks. Woohoo. Um, I also did get my flannel stack and slash top pieced. I've had these blocks sitting around forever. Stack and slash is where you take a bunch. Um, in this case, I was using fat quarters. You stack several in a row. You slash, you know, you make a cut at some odd angle. And then you take one from one side of the pile and move it on the bottom. Sew them together. And then you, you know, so you're kind of doing this random mix sort of thing. And um, then you square them up at the end. I love doing stack and slash. They're a whole lot of fun. Uh, you, you never quite know what you're going to end up with unless, like me, you can't fully do random and you occasionally start pawing through to find something that'll work together better. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I had decided a couple weeks ago that I think I'm going to give this to my nephew for Christmas. So it sort of got me this impetus to actually get this thing done. So I did finally get the top of that done. And now I've just got to um, put batting on it, backing, and quilt it. And the quilting is going to be easy because I've, I've made another one of these with the flannel. And all I do is tack it down. I use the little asterisk star stitch on my sewing machine. And I go along like every four inches and I do one of those. So it's sort of a machine style tied quilt. So that'll be pretty quick. Oh, and then I had, I think I mentioned in a couple of episodes ago when I was in Pennsylvania and we taught my friend how to quilt. And I bought a quilt kit for a table topper and it's called the Triangle Table Topper. And the kit itself had the triangles pre-cut. And all you had to do was sew those triangles into two strips, and then there were um, other fabrics with it to do some sashing and stuff. And so on Sunday morning, when I got my second block, woohoo, done, I decided, well, I might as well try to put those that table topper together. And so I did my two strips of the triangles at retreat, and then I just fried and decided, no, I just need to go home. Now, I did finish putting the rest of the top together once I got home, so the whole top is pieced. I haven't finished it yet. It's okay. The The main reason I bought this particular kit was because I loved the cute bird fabric that was the main focus fabric of this table topper. They're fat little chickadees with Santa hats is basically what they are. They're very, very cute. Unfortunately, once I got that top piece together, the borders are so narrow that you don't actually get the full effect of that cute little fat bird with the Santa hat. He kind of keeps getting chopped in half and you end up with a lot of blue space. That was, again, it was very, very cute fabric. I just think that the shop folks could have done a little bit better finding a fabric that had a smaller repeat, I guess. And had I not been so fried at the time that I was doing this, I might have thought ahead and kind of measured the repeat and tried to figure out, well, wait, exactly how much of that bird is really going to be showing once I cut this two-inch strip? You know, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, I was just thinking, okay, I've got enough fabric. I'm just going to cut the strips. Let's get her done. And it's okay. I mean, it's not horrible. It's okay. It's not what I was hoping it would be. But I do know a family that's got little kids that would probably love the fabrics in this because the triangles are scrappy. So there's a ton of different stuff going on in those triangle fabrics. And little kids would probably love playing sort of an I spy in there. You know, where's the penguin on the sled? That kind of thing. So I think if I can get this done, that may end up being a gift for that family. So I enjoyed making it. It's not something I'm crying over, the fact that I'm not totally in love with the finished product. It was it was fun, and I think it'll make a nice gift. Um, and I will post pictures online at some point this weekend. So you will see. That's all I got done at my retreat. That actually does make it sound like I did a lot. But really, I was hoping to get more of those stinking Jelly Roll sampler blocks done, too. 
too. Okay, what we did spend time, though, on Saturday, we had a class. We've just started doing that at these retreats. A lot of retreats, that's kind of what you do is you go for a class. Ours are just you get together and you sew. The last in May, I did the uh, thread painting class, and I talked about that in an episode. And this time we did a fabric dyeing class. And one of our guild members, my friend Sonia, taught the class. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the process because, frankly, I'm not entirely sure what the copyright issues might be. So I'm going to skate a little bit through that. I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights. Uh, We did use prepared for dyeing fabrics, otherwise known PFD, known as PFD fabrics. Um, And then Sonia got the fabric dyes already while we prepped our fabric in terms of size and folding method. And so what she'd done, I believe she I think we each started out with two half yards of fabric, and then she had enough extra that some of us were buying a little bit more fabric so we could have some more fun. Um, But we each had two half yards of fabric, and so um, most of us, I think, then divided one of the half yards into fat quarters. A fat quarter is basically a half yard of fabric divided horizontally. Uh, That's what makes a fat quarter. So I did for my first two um, half yards, I took a half yard, and I did the other part was two fat quarters. And then later I bought more from her, and I did more fat quarters. And then we just had a ball with dyeing them. And we did a bunch of different folding techniques. You can do like a flag fold where you kind of flip triangles back and forth over together. And then you wrap rubber bands around all those three corner ends. You can do accordion folds. um, And then you can scrunch it into circles. You can do this thing called shibori. And that's you take a PVC pipe. I think the PVC pipe was probably about a foot high maybe a little less, and there's a little slit cut at the top of it. You accordion fold your fabric, you wrap it around the pipe, and then um, you take string, you put the, you put a knot in the end of the string, slip it down through that slot at the top of the pipe, and then you wrap the string really, really, really super tightly around the fabric, and then you're supposed to kind of scrunch it down. I had problems getting mine scrunched down, so it wasn't as scrunchy as it could have been. And then you stand upright in the in the dye, you, you put Tupperware containers down so you can dye everything in these Tupperwares. You'd stand the PVC pipe with the fabric on it upright and you pour the, the dye down the sides and it comes out with this really funky, cool pattern to it. And uh, you can use the dye full strength or watered down. I think all of mine I was using full strength with one possible exception because then what you do... Like I said, you're doing this all in kind of these Tupperware Rubbermaid containers to catch whatever runoff dye you've got. And then you pour off the excess dye into these plastic cups. And so there's all these plastic cups sitting around on the table with just random color assortments in them. Nobody really knew what they, you know, they're just dumping off. And so Sonia started um, playing with, she was using some of her leftover fabric. She was starting to just dump it into these cups without really knowing what colors they were going to turn out. So my last one, I kind of did the same thing because then we were just trying to use up the dye by the time we were done. Um, And I ended up with a really cool kind of blue-greenish one. Um, So anyway, you you dye it, you let it sit in the dye for a few minutes, you pour soda ash over it, and that fixes the colors. You let that sit for a few minutes, and then you put it in the microwave for a few minutes. And then you rinse it in hot water for a really, really, really long time, especially depending on what colors. The um, blues and greens tended to rinse out pretty fast. The oranges, reds, yellows, those tended to take a lot longer. And raspberry, man, that raspberry color took forever to run. You run them under hot water until the water runs clear is what you're supposed to be shooting for because that means all the excess dye is now out. Um, Then once we got home, I put it in. I had some Synthropol. I put it in with Synthropol in the washer and then the dryer. I did keep like colors with like. So like I did my oranges and yellows together, my reds and purples together, blues and greens together, etc., I had no problem with dyes migrating to each other in the washing machine. 
And then just to be sure, I had read somewhere this trick, and so I tried it. I put a, an old white towel on my ironing board with the um, fabric once I got it out of the dryer, and I used steam and pressed it. And then I checked the white towel, and if the white towel was still white, that meant your fabric was now color fast. And I didn't have any stains on my um, white towel once I was done. And those were so much fun. I mean, when I was in the process of dyeing my first ones, I thought, oh, this is going to turn out horrible. You know, it's this kind of icky color in the cup. I can't tell what's going on. And then once you open it up and rinse it out, you've got gorgeous stuff going on. We kept talking about it's serendipity. You know, you, you kind of have to give over a certain amount of control. So that was a lot of fun. And again, I'll post pictures online. So that's my retreat. I did get listener comments. Like I said, I really enjoyed hearing from you this week. Thank you so much. Susan said, first of all, she loves the podcast. Thank you. She did ask, she says, here's a topic I've never heard addressed on any quilt podcast, tips for buying fabric online. She says, uh, I'm hesitating to buy fabric online, probably mostly because I don't think I can really tell what the fabric actually looks like from my computer screen. I'm used to seeing and touching the fabric before I buy it. I can't really tell the scale of the patterns, can't decide that I'm really coloring, seeing the colors correctly, etc. So she wants some advice to help her get started. And I have posted a question in the Big Tent Quilting for the Rest of Us group, and I will be posting one on Facebook as well. I will do an episode, Susan, on buying fabric online. And any listeners, if you want to share your own experience, your tips, your hints, etc., you can either do it in the Big Tent group or on um, Facebook, and I will use it in a future episode. Thank you so much. And let's see, other comments that we got. Let me pull them up here. Noni said, I had posted a picture of my UFO finish. The cautionary tail quilt is finally done. And she says she can't tell that it's out of square from the photo. Yay, thank you. And she says, I read recently strippy quilts are hard to make successful, successfully. And I know that I've read that as well. Um, so those of you who think making a strip quilt might be a simple, fast way to make a quilt, be careful. They can be very, very tricky. The Sewing Geek left a comment on my post about fabric mysteriously appearing on my shelves. She actually lives near the fabric shop I mentioned, Stitch, and she says, Jocelyn, the owner, is so inviting, which I also found. Going into the shop is like visiting a friend who has an awesome work studio, and sometimes I go in just to get some color therapy. Between the wool fabric samples and antiques, it's a cozy shop. And Joe, I definitely agree with your uh, review of that shop. I loved having it too. Uh, School Quilt said, also on the same post, fabric mysteriously appearing on my shelves. Uh, she says, at least fabric is less bulky and more useful than most souvenirs people bring home from trips. And what is it about the Christmas fabric? I have a ridiculous amount and don't really remember buying it. <laughs> and uh, she thinks she might have to join me in the challenge I mentioned about quiz, uh, maybe using up all my holiday fabric. I have a variety of Christmas prints and haven't actually made a lot for it. Pam of the uh, Hip to Be a Square podcast. Nice podcast. Love it. Pam left a response to the You Know Your Quilter When page. She says, You Know Your Quilter When? You start eyeing your child's elementary school grade level t-shirts as soon as they come home and mentally comparing it to your stash to figure out what the best layout would be for their t-shirt quilt when they are 11. My daughter just got her first one for kindergarten. She's five. So, Pam, you've got a, a little ways to start planning that quilt. Um, Suzanne says, thanks for answering my folding and cutting question. That's exactly, if you remember, I had mentioned that um, somebody had asked me, that Suzanne had asked me how to square up fabric, and so I described my thing, and she said that's actually, actually what she does as well, but somehow she thought I was referencing a different technique. 
And then Suzanne goes on to say, I've also had a few people try to convince me to use a rip then fold technique. So she was wondering if I perhaps use that method. Um, I've I've heard mixed reviews on the rip then fold technique. I'm not a ripper. I've never been a ripper. <laughs> I am a cutter. Um, but I have, you know, I certainly know there are those who hold by the rip technique. I've also heard people who stay away from it with a 10-foot pole. So if anybody would like to leave comments about ripping versus uh, cutting, please do. And then Noni left another comment on my episode 65 in which we review books. She says she is thinking about the stretchery book that I had um, recommended. She says she has two copies of the Needlework book, and I found that has more than I will ever need. But I do love books. We're all good at spending each other's money, aren't we? Okay, so that's going to be it for this episode. I've got a lot packed into this. It's one of my longer episodes, so I'm going to end it here. Do remember the challenge, and I will read the challenge again because I realized I have not updated my webpage. I will do that this weekend, too. The Stash Mystery Challenge for the final quarter of the year says, yes, it's going to be the holidays. We quilters do love to decorate our houses with quilty things. This quarter creates either a table runner or at least one placemat for the holiday of your choice, even spring or summer holidays. And you must use at least three fabrics from your stash. As always, it doesn't have to be finished. It just needs to be recognizable for what it is. Although, might I suggest if you're doing a Thanksgiving or Christmas or um, other winter holiday, you might want to finish it because, you know, they're upon us. The deadline is Monday, December 12th at midnight, whatever that is in your time zone. So join along. That'll be fun. And I do have a... um, special challenge group in the in Flickr now attached to the Quilting for the Rest of Us group. So if you search for, I don't remember what it's called, Quilting for the Rest of Us under groups, you'll come up with both of them. So if you are participating in the challenge, you might want to post your pictures in the challenge group. You can get a hold of me oh so many different ways. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can also follow me on Twitter that way, Sandy with a Quilt, Sandy, Sandy with a Quilt. Not quite. Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can also follow my blog, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You can join us on Flickr, please do. I love seeing everybody's pictures. I have not been leaving comments lately. I'm sorry, but I have been looking and ooing and eyeing over the eye candy. So just look for Quilting for the Rest of Us on Flickr. Um, And like I said, we've now got two groups. You can follow us on Facebook, Quilting for the Rest of Us. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. You can follow me on Goodreads, also Sandy Quilts. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can find us on Big Tent as the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup to the, what is it, Quilt (laughs) Quilt Cat Supergroup. Sorry. You have to join the Quilt Cast Supergroup first, and then you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group. And all of those things, all of them, Every single one of them you can find at quiltingfortherestofus.com. And that's it. We're done and it's under an hour. Woohoo! All right, I'm going to sign off. So until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. <laughs>